You're listening to Band Geek with Richie Castellano on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. What's up, Band Geeks? Richie here, and this is episode 99. Wow. So I figured I'd do one of these intro little uh, spiels before I start today. And wow, 99 episodes. And one of the reasons I'm talking to you before we start is because I want to tell you that for episode 100, we will be doing a very cool, very special live streaming podcast. Um, but rather than just watch it on your computer, if you're anywhere near New York City, you should come and be part of it. We would love to interact with you and love for you to be there and hang out with the band geeks because we have some really awesome stuff planned for you guys. So here are the details. The show will be on Tuesday, January 10th. Is that a Tuesday? Let me double check. Uh, I should I should have this stuff prepared. Yes, Tuesday, January 10th at the Village Underground in New York City. We will be starting at 8 p.m. So if you are anywhere near the New York, New York area, uh, please come down. We'd love to see you there. It's going to be a uh, 21 and over show because they serve liquor. And um, there will be $10 tickets. Uh, you can buy tickets at the door, but if you want to buy them in advance, you can go to ComedyCellar.com to get the tickets. Comedy Cellar is the organization that owns the Village Underground. So don't be confused. We're not playing the gig at the Comedy Cellar. We're playing it at the Village Underground. And that's, one more time, that's on Tuesday, January 10th at 8 p.m. And we have a lot of amazing musicians coming down, and we have a very cool, exciting, and interesting, and all over the place set list, and I'm sure you have come to expect nothing less from the band geeks, and we're going to deliver. I'm really looking forward to this. I can't wait. So if you could be there, please join us. And if you can't, you can stream it. I don't have the streaming details yet. Uh, they will come soon, and I'll post them all over social media. If you don't follow me on social media, please do so. That's at Rich underscore Castellano. That's on Twitter. On Instagram, I'm Richie Castellano, one word. On Facebook, I have my personal page, which I love, and that's just Richie Castellano at Facebook, but there are some limitations, so I've formed a new Facebook page just for this sort of thing, and that's Richie Castellano colon Band Geek, and that's where I'll be doing all the live streams and all that stuff, so make sure you follow and like all that business, and you'll be up to date, and you won't miss anything. One more thing I wanted to mention, let's get some business out of the way. Everybody who's been using the Amazon link, thank you so much. It's been great for us, and we've been able to really grow the show with your help, and and it helps us keep going. So thank you so much. If you don't know what the Amazon link is and you want to get on this bandwagon, it's very simple. Go to riotcast.com slash bandgeek, and at the top of the page, there's an Amazon banner. Just click that banner before you do your shopping, and then... You shop like normal, and when you're done and you check out, a small percentage of your purchase goes towards supporting our show, and it costs you nothing extra. It's just one extra little step. So we appreciate if you would do that. And if you have been doing that, thank you very, very much. It's awesome. So uh, one thing I got to mention to that is if you you can't add things to your cart and then use the link, you have to use the link before you add things to the cart because we found out it doesn't count that way or whatever. Now, if you're not an Amazon shopper and you want to just donate to the show and support us, there's an even easier way to do that, and that is by going to richiecastellano.com slash tipjar, one word, and that takes you to a PayPal form. If you want to throw the show a couple of bucks, 
we'd appreciate that. We've had some really great contributions from people. A uh, couple shout-outs to Rob Crossland and Ralph Pitts. Thank you guys very much. Uh, we will be doing your requests uh, soon next year. Um, or actually, when this will drop on Sunday. So this year, we'll be taking care of you guys very soon. Uh, but we have a lot going on with this uh, 100th episode live show. So, But don't worry, I will get to you. Um, okay. When we recorded this episode that you're about to hear, it was the day before it was announced that Yes had been inducted into or was going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, this is a Yes-themed episode, and we, didn't, we had no idea this was going to happen. So... Uh, we don't really talk about it during the episode, so I want to talk about it now. So congratulations to the one of the band geeks' favorite bands. Yes, we love Yes. It's one of our that's one of our, you know, yes, they're our heroes. So we're very, very excited. And uh and you know, it's about time, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we're very pleased that Yes will be inducted, or as I like to say, induced into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh it's very exciting. And uh very well deserved. So, congratulations to Yes. We'll be looking forward to seeing that you know induction ceremony, and I want to see what lineup they're going to use. I'm very curious about all these things. So, it's a very exciting time to be a Yes geek like I am. So, you guessed it. Today's episode is all about Yes. We're going to be talking about you know pioneering progressive rock legends and tackling two ridiculously difficult songs. This was a very, very tough episode to do for us. It took us a few weeks to finish all the music. We had to actually rehearse, which we've never done at Band Geek. We usually just show up the day of, you know, go through the song a few times, iron out any kinks, and then record. This time we met and rehearsed because we were very nervous about this particular uh, set of songs. So we hope you like it. And uh, once again, congratulations to Yes on joining the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is awesome. And to all the band geeks, I hope you enjoy this show because we had a blast doing it. So, here goes. Welcome to Band Geek. I'm Richie Castellano. Today, I'm joined by a bunch of... I don't pro- think you're coming out on there. Yeah, I am. Look at that. Oh. What's, look, what the, why uh, you, hey, pretty boy, why don't you leave the recording recording to me? I can't really talk, hear, talk, can't really play, hear play. that well. <laughs> sounds like you're well, in another... You your own show. You sound, can make your own Sounds like you're in another business. room or something. Um, You don't hear me? I hear you. But What's the matter? Something doesn't sound right. Something doesn't sound right? That's all right, though. It sounds okay to me. Yeah, well... <clears throat> A pedestrian ears. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Off to a wonderful start for this oh, show. Oh Lord. Um, this show is something that is taking us weeks to do and weeks to finish. And full disclosure, I mean, I was thinking about lying and saying like, "Hey, we just recorded all this shit in one take, but it didn't happen, and and, and one pass uh, did not happen." Um, this week we're nerding out on progressive rock, and in particular. Our love of Yes, which is uh, mutually our favorite band, one of our favorite bands. Uh, I'm joined with by Andy Escalise. Hello. I don't hear Andy. Andy, talk. Yo, what's up? Oh, yes. 
How is it going? Okay, now I hear you. It's Monday morning. <laughs> Check two. That's good. That's good. Um, also joined by Andy Graziano. Hello. And I'm joined by Ray Magnuski. Hello. And my wife, Henry, who was not in the room when we started recording, which is sort of a thing now. And um, Hi, Henry. No, no, she's not hearing it. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're talking about yes today. And um, the reason we're talking about yes is because we, we shied away from doing yes music when we started the podcast because it's hard and takes mm-hmm. a lot of time. Sorry, I had, a, I had an issue. You okay? Yeah, exactly. I, I poured water on my head back. <laughs> what? <laughs> True story, there's still water in my eyes. I need that vocal down a little bit. Sorry. Like, how does, wait, how does one actually pour what? water over the head um, by accident? I'm not going to share with, with the people how that happens. I was putting a pitcher of water on top of something and it fell. Like, I don't... I can't picture... Oh, that's what Hello, hello, hello. Good. That's why oh, it was weird dripping. because I was hearing you. We were doing like, like an ALS yeah, challenge or something. Her, 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 it was just like, oh my god, <laughs> got it. So, Sorry. I'm I'm having a very difficult time hosting this episode of Band Geek. Okay, <laughs> I had to prepare my body for this. We have an unruly okay. class. Okay. Um. So yes. Um, yeah. Okay, yes, we're doing two songs hard. today. We've already recorded. I mean, them. we've done yes before. Yeah, but the thing is, I didn't want to do yes, and then we did the, the we did Starship. Trooper. We did Honor of Only Heart, but we right. sort of like did. That's not that that's crazy fun. to do. Um, but then we did Starship Trooper, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, do more of this!" And I'm like, "Fuck you! <laughs> this is really hard." So I don't want to do more of this. And then, oh, you know who busted my balls about Honor of Only Heart? Ray. But, Fucking Ray busted my balls. Did I? Yes. He goes. You finally do yes on your show and it's owner of Lonely Heart? Oh, what the fuck, you know man? What? What I don't remember that at all, but I can't oh, that that's hit. something Come I wouldn't on. say. Like, you did say that. I totally said that. Douche. And if you can't say that, that's not hard because Alan White can't even play that. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. We're not going to be insulting to yes today. Maybe a little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they might listen to this and decide that we should be their backing band for the future. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> one of the versions of yes. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's many now, so we we could actually, you know, we could just call ourselves yes and just yeah. you know book gigs just and deal with the legal. No. no, no, we'll be the French version. We. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, you know what? I've never thought about that. You think in other countries, like, yeah, we're going to say C tonight. Like, you know? <laughs> La musica de C. I've never thought about that. Uh, like in concierto. <laughs> <laughs> We're never getting through this. Um, what are more ways to say yes? This is Batman vs Superman. Da. Um, da. That's my favorite one. Da. Hi. Hi. In Chinese, Bo? Or, no. no, I can't remember what I say in Chinese. Um, in Germany, it, German, it's a. Uh, I know how to say <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to Putting the geek in band geek. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say yeah, yeah. So the deal with this uh, episode is we're doing two songs. We've already recorded them, and they were both very difficult, and we thought we were going to knock both of them out in one day, and that didn't happen. So (laughs) we spent two entire sessions, uh, one doing each song, and it was very hard, and there were a lot of tears, and there was a lot of fighting between me and Anne-Marie. Oh, and then I got got food poisoning from it, and then it made me sick. Remember that? That's right. You did get food poisoning. I got a haircut in between, too. Yeah, so (laughs) So did I. I dyed my hair, too. (laughs) Our hair might be just... Lengths and colors. My beard is the, longer. The beards are longer. I'm still bald. <laughs> I'm still bald. <laughs> that, that much has stayed the same. Andy's Andy's consistent, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll talk about how I first got into yes. 
Um, I, I probably told the story on the show before because I have no memory of anything I do or say, um, <laughs> cool. which is great when you're hosting a podcast where you talk about yourself every week. Um, I, uh, my uncle Phil told me, um, you know what your problem is? You only like music that you can dance to. And I'm like, what are you? T-? And I'm thinking like, I like the Beatles. I'm like a, a heightened individual. You know what I mean? I'm uh, I'm I'm advanced. You know that because I like to. Be, I'm 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 better than the normal person because I like the Beatles. I'm like I like the Beatles, man. And I know this. Yeah, all I know all the all the words to Magical Mystery Tour. You know what I mean? I'm you know, I got taste. You know, I I don't <laughs> listen to only pop music. And he's like, the Beatles are the most popular pop band of all time. It's like, don't tell me that. He goes, and he gave me Fragile, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I listened to Fragile. And I was like, this sucks, right? <laughs> and he's like, why? Because you can't dance to it? I was like, no, it's like all this, it goes to this part and this part. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. The song's too long. It sucks, right? And he goes, well, I bet you can't play it, right? I'm like, well, I don't want to fucking play this. You know, fuck this music. So then uh, I remember I did a gig and, and I and the gig was terrible. I did it at my old elementary school. We did it. They had like a pizza party, and they they were hiring a band. I was like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like fourteen or fifteen, and they hired us like we were junior high school age, and they hired us for a pizza party. They hired the cheese. Yeah, and we played, and we were bad. We were really bad. Um, and this is like right before I met you, Andy uh, Graziano. I, I'm gonna call you Graziano today because okay, it's two sure. Andys. Um, and I felt so bad. Did you ever like? have a moment where you play a gig and you feel so bad about yourself. You're like, mm-hmm. I just stunk the place up so bad. I'm so disappointed at myself. Like, I have to do something to prove to myself that I'm not worthless. <laughs> that happened to me once and I hit me with a show. Oh, really? Like what? Yeah, that one of those, like, dog street shows. Really? I was like, ugh. <laughs> that was bad. Well, I, I, I had that happen. And um, I, I went home and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn Heart of the Sunrise. I'm going to learn on a guitar. And... I did it just to prove to myself that I wasn't a horrible musician. After st- oh, and you know what else didn't help? My dad was the show, and he said, that's the worst I've ever seen you, ever. He goes, you're going to spend your life making up for that show. That's what he said to me. See, my dad doesn't remember he said shit like that to me all the time. He doesn't remember that. Now he's like, I'm so nice to you. I only say nice things. He, he thinks he's like the most mellow, easygoing guy ever. He doesn't remember that he's – but look. It was it was a bad show, and I I had to hear that. You know what I mean. Sometimes you have to hear. You can't hear like the sunny truth, the sunny like a uh, lie. You, like, you didn't get a participation trophy. Yeah, it's exactly. You <laughs> You're also like in eighth grade, so how bad could it possibly have been? You know, it was shit. So I went home. I learned "Heart of the Sunrise." I probably didn't learn it right, but when I was done learning the song after like a couple days, I had this like incredible sense of accomplishment that I could play this song. And I didn't even like the song, but. In learning it and hearing how all the parts fit together and how difficult it was to play, I was like, wow, this is brilliant. You know what I mean? Like, this is how, this is, this is just a next level in musicianship. Like, I still love the Beatles. I still like that I can play those songs. But the fact that this sort of raised the bar on the difficulty level of what I could play and pushed me was really cool. And then I got really into prog rock. And then I met you, mm-hmm. Andy Graziano, and you were into it also. I didn't really know much about it, though. You kind of... I got you into it? I think so. What the hell is wrong with me? I, you I, think, I think you got me more into Yes, too. See, my father showed me, probably when I was in like 6th or 7th grade, he showed me ELP first. He showed me I'm missing like a Palmer. Right. And, he, and in specific, he was like, hey, listen, listen to this song. And I'm like, okay. And, he's, and he puts Trilogy on. And I'm like, all right, this is nice. It's pretty. It's gay. You know, trilogy for like a... Right, you know, so it was like whatever. So I kind of like, you know, like snuck out of the room, you know, and I went up to my room, and all of a sudden I hear, 
and I come down I'm like what is this and like from then on I was like, like it's the same song that was playing 20 minutes ago yeah <laughs> and my father was like it's the same song I'm like what so I re-listened to it and like he was just like yeah this is like this is progressive rock and this is like we listened to it. and then he showed me like yes but I was so more involved into ELP yeah. and then I came into high school and I think I was wearing an ELP shirt and Richie I had yeah, no Richie from a hole in the wall and this is how Richie and I met Richie goes I took you out of the garbage can that some senior <laughs> yeah that's true in. too he goes you, you listen to ELP <laughs> and I'm like yeah he goes we're friends. <laughs> Just like that. I started going, he goes, do you listen to Yes too? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, kind of. And then he got me more into Yes, specifically like the real first Yes song I ever heard was Heart of the Sunrise. Yeah, that, that was, and that was basically the only one I knew. For, I mean, I knew Roundabout just from hearing the radio and Owner of a Lonely Heart, but like Heart of the Sunrise was the first like really deep cut that I knew. I, I didn't even know Owner of a Lonely Heart was Yes for years. I after. thought it was the police. <laughs> no and you know what's idea. funny? I was like, you, what? Graziana, you came over to my house once and I had a list of songs on the GB2. The GB2 was like yeah, a yeah. practice machine that we, we all use. It was like backing track. <laughs> Until and we I, first started I, and, playing in the store they had yeah, the machine. We, we all had the and GB2. We used to play the Highway Star together. That was a great, <laughs> great little box. You know? Yeah, we had that. We had like Hideaway. <laughs> yeah. And and I and the um, the titles of the songs were abbreviated so sometimes mm. you couldn't tell what they were because it was like a little LED screen. So, I'm sorry, LCD screen. So I um, I wrote down a list of it, and Andy was looking at the list he found in my basement, and he goes, "Owner of a Lonely Heart, the police." And he looks at me like such a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was like, you wrote it's not the police. police. He's like, "No, fool, it's yes." Like, <laughs> That's funny because I don't even know if I knew that. <laughs> no, you knew it. I remember you, you, you started laughing and giggling That's at me. Funny. And then we met um, Andy, who had no interest in progressive rock or rock at all. Right? I remember you showed me uh, uh, Carnival Nine. By ELP, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this that song from like the Mets 1986 video. <laughs> I know that song." And then it became the Yankees in the 90s. It yeah. became the Yankees too. That's so funny. we did, um, we did some, we, and you guys, if you listen to the VHS Memories episode, um, the oh, oh the Speed of Sound and Chronological History. <laughs> That's what I call the episode. The, thing the many wrote splendors. Yeah, I still haven't watched or listened to that from beginning to end. Yeah, you should you should watch it. You have the lesbian haircut in that one. It's really funny. Everybody has the lesbian haircut. Yeah. So, um, not that there's anything wrong with that. We did that, and we and we tried to play yes songs early in our band, and it, and it was work. horrible because you ever, ever tried doing a roundabout not in E? Yeah, because <laughs> that's the shit. We're or we, we did it in, in E, like I'll be the roundabout. <laughs> I mean, none of us could sing in false. None of us could like. There was a period there where we couldn't figure out where to play. We tried doing like the trooper in C. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I couldn't stupid. sing anything. Yeah. So, no, that was rough. It, and really, like, we did yes songs, but mm. I feel like it never really sounded good until we brought Anne Marie in. Because it's like, oh my God, look, and Anne Marie, did you like? Did, did you so like? We have a petite little what are you voice. About? Well, did you? When I met you, did you like progressive rock? Not really. So, I, yes, I did. No, yeah, because I really like Dream Theater. Yeah, well, that's like you that's know, proggy. It, it's it's very progressive, progressive metal. Yeah, absolutely, I, I listen. I, I knew some Yes, and I knew Rush, but I didn't listen to Yes like I listen to Yes but now. You, you see, you gotta understand something. Even though we all kind of can't stand you and you annoy everybody, oh, it's it, when, when you when you sing the Yes stuff, we're all like, oh my god, thank God, this doesn't Finally. sound like crap like <laughs> somebody, it usually did. Somebody doesn't sound like Mickey Mouse singing. Like, it's just like Mickey Mouse or. <laughs> Remember we had a I guy. That's what it sounds like. Do, do you remember we had a guy come to our house? Come to my house. My dad said I met some guy who could who could sing yes. And this like 30, 40 year old guy came to our basement. Was wearing short shorts, like <laughs> like yet like the ripped short shorts. I think it's like his nut was hanging out of his pants or something. Uh, and he sang "Heart of the Sunrise" with us. No kidding. And we're like, oh, you want to join our band? He's like, no. Did he offer it's us like, candy? It's like you're all like sixteen. So 
I mean, oh man, we had like uh, our music teacher Lou, yeah, Lou sing sing one year with us, but that never really sounded right because he didn't really have the right voice for it. And but Amory, like because she's a chick, he did okay though. It's good. In high school, he did okay. Yeah, he did okay. But I'm saying, like, now we can sort of do these songs mm-hmm. because we, we have, have somebody someone... that doesn't have testicles. Also, <laughs> no, the thing is, a lot of chick singers, I'm sorry to generalize here and be maybe sexist, but a lot of girl singers would have a hard time counting this shit. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's heady music. Like, you have to sit there and count and, and, and know when you come in. And it's like, you because know. Because is the... one of the very few singers that is actually a musician. She's a musician. Yeah. So she can hear it and she knows to come in. So that's why it's good. So I'm, I'm complimenting you, you jerk. So you just went from annoying to awesome. Like you're still annoying, but you're <laughs> awesome too. This is what it's like if anybody was wondering. This is what it's like to be married to Richie Castellano. Womp, <laughs> womp. <laughs> the days wah. of wine and roses. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the joke. Why is the lead singer sit, standing in the hallway? Because she doesn't know where to come in, exactly. and she can't find the key. Oh. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. I like that. That's not me. I haven't heard that, <laughs> Sorry. I haven't heard that in a long time. So now we could do yes. So let's let's. Um, I'm gonna play you us doing "Heart of the Sunrise" from weeks ago <laughs> when we did it. Um, and so let me explain what's happening. This is here. actually in the summer, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was right after Thanksgiving, and now we're right before Christmas. Yes, so you could do the math. So, so <laughs> me and Ray. Went to go see Anderson, Rabin, and Wakeman. We're going to talk about it after this. Um, and we were all about yes. And that night we came home and we were so like amped from seeing them. We jammed down here in the basement. And Ray was playing drums and I was playing bass and or I was playing guitar or something. And we played Heart of the Sunrise. And I'm like, holy shit, Ray, you could actually play the drums on this song. It's pretty good. <laughs> don't say that now. Let them listen to it first because I don't even know what it sounds like. <laughs> I haven't mixed it yet at the time of this recording. But, um, you know, like... The, the thing the thing about you, Ray, now I'm going to roast you a little bit, um, <laughs> Great. is that Ray plays like 45 instruments. He's what we call annoyingly talented. Yeah, he's annoyingly talented. <laughs> but the problem when you play 45 instruments is you can't really master 45 instruments. You know what I mean? It's not possible. So I, I didn't know. Like I know Ray plays drums pretty well, but like again, this is advanced music. So I didn't know Ray was going to be able to handle this. So when we were down here in the basement and you were playing all the parts, I'm like... I don't know you could play drums this good. And you're like, no, I can't. But I'll, I'll practice the song. Because <laughs> I never played it before that day. Like, so uh, so Ray, like, for the next few weeks, kept sending me um, <laughs> videos on my phone of him, like, in the studio, practicing the song. He was practicing it really hard. So um, should we start? Yeah, we, we'll, we'll do this one first because we did it first. Um, and, you know, we played this before in a band. But, Andy, you, know, you played keyboard. So you stuck to the same part pretty yeah. much. But you played... I used to play bass, the bass on it. And I played guitar. And I switched this time because you just are so much better than me at this sort of thing. <laughs> like the Steve, like the Steve how especially when it gets all like arpeggiated and mm. finger picky and all that stuff, like oh, sure. that's like that's your your thing. I'm like, why am I gonna like why am I gonna do this when I have a guy sitting in the room who does this better than oh, me? Yeah. It's so stupid. You just want to play the, bass. That day, okay, that good. too. I just want to play <laughs> the bass part. I want that bass oh, solo. Great. So um we did that. We switched. We, sw- we swapped. We swapped around, and uh, so An- so Andy's playing keyboards on this. Ray's playing drums. He's playing two instruments on this. <clears throat> technically, what do you mean? How many times have you all? Because you played made his guitar song. sound like a synth too. Oh right. Oh, also, yeah. um, Andy is uh, Graziano is plugged into the Helix, mm. and we did some interesting things on here. He uses 335, um, and we what we went for the sounds. Yeah. I, I think we got damn close. And it didn't take very long either. <laughs> That's right, and um. At the end, there's an overlapping synth part, 
And I asked um, Andy, I said, are you going to play that? He goes, no, I'm not going to play that. I'm busy. I have my hands full. I'm not playing that. So he goes, I'll overdub it. I'm like, don't overdub. That's cheesy. He goes, well, I'm not playing it. Then. We don't need that part. And then uh, I looked at you. I didn't, I didn't plan on playing two keyboards at once, but then we had it all set up. I would have practiced two keyboards at once then. Well, anyway, okay. um, you saved the day, um, Andy Graziano, because he played it on guitar. He goes, I'll just play it on guitar. And I said, wait a minute. Let's, the, the Helix can make a synth sound. So you play it on guitar through the synth generator in the Helix, and it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. Good. I was going to play that part really anyway. Yeah. There's no like, so real guitar part at the we, very last verse. We had a blast playing that, and we Facebook live the rehearsal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we, we absolutely loved playing that song. Um, what, what was the question you asked me? You know, my before? father How watched we, that live thing, and he goes... I didn't know you could play the drums like that. <laughs> I didn't know either. So, so they say you're not alone on that. And he's like, I, I, how do you do that? How do you just show up and do that? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I practiced a little bit for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, Amory, we, we only played that song for that one concert, and that, that was the that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how many times yeah. have you played that song in your life? A lot. But the, the thing is, a, a ten minute song, you can't like, you don't want to sit there and play the whole thing every time you play it. It's like you play like a little lick yeah. from it. Yeah, you know? like, hey, we get the little fast joint. We didn't have a singer, stop. so we never yeah. played it really. Yeah. And I didn't have like the confidence to sing. So you sing never got them. to the. No, okay, that's pretty much where it stopped. Yeah. We used to use it as an introduction for something else. We played new song. So um, we did it. We we teased this at, on the last video, Starship Trooper. We did this riff at the end, mm. and then people were complaining. They're like, "What the fuck? Why did you play the whole thing of Heart of the Sunrise?" So to those people, here you go, Heart of the Sunrise. Now.
of the colors and shine. Straight lights searching all the meanings of the song. Heart of the Sunrise, and um, sounded great. Well, you we didn't hear it, right? You're pretending. Oh. <laughs> um, so Ray and I, um, how many? When did we start seeing Yes? Uh, I know my first Yes tour was in '95. I saw the Talk tour. That was '94 or '95. '95. The album came out in '94. The tour was in '95, and that was the first time I ever saw Yes. And I got to say, that was the best time I ever saw Yes. Hmm. Um, J- Trevor was fucking on dude and he was all over the stage and they did they did this they did i am waiting maybe one day i'll get to see him play (laughs) yeah they did um they did the endless dream the whole thing wow right but they also did heart of the sunrise they did um they did and you and i own a lonely heart to slide up that at that point oh my god yes um but i saw them and then he that was his last tour and then um, Steve Howe came back, and then eventually Rick Wakeman came back. I saw them... That was the summer of 95, I'm assuming? I saw them in every configuration in, except for the current one. I saw I saw them with Tom Brislin with right. the Symphonic yeah, we were all Tour. All together there. Yeah. Uh, we saw them with um, Igor Koroshev on I keyboards. Saw we saw them when Billy Sherwood was back in the band. Yeah. We saw them with Rick Wakeman. Actually, with that, with the first, my, my first Yes show, Billy Sherwood was there. That was when... The Keys to Ascension PLP Tour. We're at the state no, theater. That's in New after Jersey. Keys to Ascension. They didn't play at the same bill. Yeah, they did. I no, never saw did. Yes and ELP yes, in the same no, bill. They didn't? Nope. Mm-mm. We saw ELP, Deep Purple, and, and Dream Theater. Dream Theater. That was a good that show. Was a yeah, because yeah, they played Tarkus the whole time. And Deep Purple blew everybody off the stage yeah, that day. Because yeah, it's Steve, Steve Morse. Morse. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Um, so. So wait, what was my first Yes show then? I saw them maybe seven or eight times. 
Oh God! I, 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 I got a chance to go. Uh, I've never to backstage at Garden State Arts Center. Really? They had uh, I went with uh, Rob Post. With had, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and he had some kind of a, a little backstage tent on the side, and we went there. And there's you know it was weird because it's like they're milling about. I think you showed this. Yeah, you yeah. Told I might have even said this on another episode, but the, the quick story is a. Uh, Alan White was just sitting there at the table with like a couple of autographs, like, okay, let's do this. Uh, Chris Squire walked in. I was like, yes, Chris Squire. And he like kind of looked right through us and he was like, okay, going over here now. Like, <laughs> totally blew us off. We were like, no. <laughs> and then uh, John Anderson came and talked to us for a little while. He was oh. really cool. He's like, so, uh, which one of you is into the extreme sports? <laughs> We're like, yeah, that's cool. Who did you who did yeah, you man. go there with to see that? Uh, Rob Post. Oh, Rob, Rob Post. How's yeah. he doing, man? Um, he's good. What? He's like becoming a lawyer. I'm hearing a, I'm <laughs> hearing like a crackle yeah. or something. Wow. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Unless if if Rob is listening, hi, Rob. It's Ray yeah. Magnuski. Haven't seen you in a long time. But yeah, the <laughs> yes was good. You hear it all the time? Yeah. Try, uh, move Maybe your cable. I'm saying it might just I feel like every summer we went to go see. Because I'm listening to them direct and I don't hear it. Sorry, uh, are you everything's good? Everything's good. I feel we went to go see Yes and e, and ELP or whatever like uh, every summer. I mean, even sometimes during during the winter if the, when they toured, it was every year we went to go see them. At least until you left, Curtis. So like the first two years of my high school, we went every year. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, the th- the next thing I, c- I kind of want to talk about is um, there 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 are two yeses essentially. Um, now there's like three. Now there's three, right? Because you got the uh, drama guys, right? You got um, the talk guys, and you got the. Uh... But there's classic yes, which is up till about 1980 or so, mm-hmm. um, and that's what most people, most purists like, and that's why we played Heart of the Sunrise, um, and that was my favorite yes. Uh, You're talking of like song errors. Yeah, well, like the classic the yes, and it's also lineups. It's you know the Rick Wakeman, the classic yes lineup is really like. Bill and that Ruford. classic lineup like really kind of spoiled me. For other music, yeah, it like raised the bar impossibly high. So whenever I would look into like some old classic rock band that I was hoping would like deliver something really good, it was yeah. like it inevitably came up short. A little well, bit. that fragile close to, close to the edge lineup with Rick Wakeman, uh, Bill Bruford, Chris Squire, Steve Howe, John Anderson—that's like to some people that's the perfect band. Well, right there. that's the the best, the best, the, the most complete prog album is close to the edge yep. of all time. And then and Bill Bruford got there and he was like. All right, yeah, I've done it. Yep. Moving on, exactly. And then Alan White came in, and the band was still good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, Alan White basically, um, he joined the band, and he didn't had no interest in playing Bill Bruford parts, mm-hmm. and he basically played everything through the filter of Alan White, mm-hmm. and it, and which is and he and, yeah, it, and which it, I guess you have to do. Yeah, and he sort of like played it more of like a rock drummer, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, in a band like Bill Dream Bruford. Theater, that wouldn't fly. You know, like you have to play the Mike Portnoy part, parts, like uh, what's but his name? But Bill uh, Bruford was more jazz, and like you said, Alan yeah, was more absolutely. rock. So, but he, his big complaint was just working with them in the studio. Things like they would have these interminable discussions over whether or not they should go like to one note or not. <laughs> like, <laughs> just literally, like bored to tears, like just a torturous existence. <laughs> it's a good book, by the way, his uh, autobiography. Oh, he talks about being in Yes. Oh, oh yeah. He's he's got a great 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 autobiography. Really, all the good stuff in there. Oh, amazing! He's actually and he a, actually a wrote nice it himself. I worked not, with him when he did his jazz. It's not ghost written. Bill Bruford's Earthworks. Earthworks. Yeah, yeah. I recorded that for him too. He was he was a nice 
jerk. <laughs> I don't I don't even explain. Like he was a really he's, nice guy. He's got that he had... dry English thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's exact. You nailed it. hundred percent. He's since retired. Girl. He has a, he, he got cool. he went back to school. He has a uh, PhD now in, in percussive studies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he's ridiculous, man. If you ever hear like just him isolated. The lock-in, man, that he has is ridiculous. His and you ever listen to nuts. King Crimson? Were you King Crimson yeah. fans at all? See, I really but, wasn't, but like a friend of mine just showed me, like maybe a few months ago, uh, my Red Nightmare. Oh yeah, <laughs> the red the red album like, is 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 like the next great prog album. It is after really Coast really good. But it took them a long time <laughs> to get there. All King Crimson stuff, except for the first album and the last album, Red, like from that middle period. Like, there's a lot of crap in there it's really <laughs> bad not worth even listening to one word reviews by Andy Graziano but, but that, that's the story of every like progressive King rock has band. this like, awesome crap has this awesome, awesome crap King Crimson <laughs> has this like really high stature but like a lot of their stuff is not good you think <laughs> yeah cause all the I, I good people I'm that were familiar. in the band on the first album all left Greg Lake left the cool uh, drummer left all the guys left the, the sax player they all left and he was left with these guys that are like eh. Uh, and when Bruford joined, it was like it took him a couple albums to sort of sort it out. <laughs> when, when I first heard Dream Theater, for example, and someone said this is prog prog rock or prog metal, prog metal, I listened to it, and because early on, what Dream Theater would do is they would do proggy stuff, but the whole band would play the same line, mm-hmm. like the keyboard player, the bass player, the guitar player would all play the same line. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, that's really cool, and and the line was like ridiculous to play, mm-hmm. but yes. The three guys are playing three different lines that work together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the bass player, guitar player, and keyboard player are all playing different shit, and it's like very symphonic like that. Whereas symphonic prog is the style of prog they do, by the way. Yeah. Right. In case anybody's counting those things. <laughs> of, of what? It's just in case anybody's ever uh, you know counting that kind of stuff. Technically, they're sim- a symphonic prog band. Is who? Yes. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Um. So, but later on, Dream Theater, I feel, started incorporating more of that. Like on the latest That's because stuff of heard. Jordan Rudess. I think yeah. I also think that the, with Dream Theater, it, the metal thing you can't have too much different stuff going on anyway. Especially with that guitar sound, yeah. like it's got to be like everybody's gonna lock in, you know. Yeah. And if it's not like metally, it's kind of ballady. Yeah. So, 1994 is around the time I got into Yes, and I got and you know my uncle gave me Fragile and I listened to it and I liked it and I devoured it and then I started wanting more. And I saw on TV, they used to have TV commercials, um, you know, advertising albums and, uh, and concerts. I saw a new Yes album coming out. And I was on AOL, too. I, had a, I was on a Yes forum. Everybody was, <laughs> everybody was very excited about this new Yes album coming out. And I remember going to Sam Goody in the mall. And, and I went there and I picked up Talk. And I saw it and I said, what the fuck is wrong with this album cover? Because yeah. it didn't have the classic Yes yeah, logo on it. It was like it was cool looking because it was colorful, but I was just like, "What the hell's wrong with this thing?" And I took it home, and I listened to it, and I was like, "This is dog shit." <laughs> I said, "Where's, where's all the, where's all that stuff?" It's like it's all these like you know, like polished pop songs. Like what the hell, right? And and I'm and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, "This sucks." I was so disappointed, and. I just, and I put the album away and I went back to like Close to the Edge and all my other shit and I was like Damn, I can't believe that they would like release an album like that and then I listened to it again I'm like oh, these songs are kind of good okay well the songs are good but this is not Yes and then it was like one of those things like everybody really quickly do you, I'm sure everybody has an album like that Amory I think you said you had an album like that like a David Bowie album or something what you, that I didn't you told me like that you didn't get it at first but then you listened to it and you're like oh my god this is amazing mm-hmm. 
I thought we were just having this conversation the other day. No, I said I didn't know that Rick Wakeman played on Hunky Dory. Oh, okay, whatever. But <laughs> do any Rick Wakeman also played on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Yeah, I was, there yeah. we go. <laughs> well, is there any album that you guys have that's like you got it and you're like no, and then yeah, you, that would plenty be... of albums. Yeah, I can't think of one. Yeah, right it's now. one of those things you you know it's happened, but you just can't think of it. The only thing that always comes to mind with that situation is, is the prequels for Star Wars. Like at first, I was kind of like eh, and now it's like yeah, okay, I get right. it. For me, it was the the second Mr. Bungle album, Disco Volante. <laughs> yeah, it's you listen. In the first track is like total noise, but there is a beat. And once I figured out there was a beat, I was like, oh, I could follow this a little bit. And then after that, it turned. It's like the whole album is like one long kind of whacked out cartoon. Like, and each song is a different style. They're like all over the place. Right. But like, like the first album has a like a clown theme, so it's like a metal kind of clown sort of ska funk. Like it's got a thing. And the last album, California, is like right. a very California-y kind of laid back, but still kind of all over the place. So it's more the second album is like, is like a dense block of something, and you have to really like <laughs> surrender to it to get it. <laughs> I was just listening to an album the other day. I wish I could remember it. Where It's that exact feeling. I was like, oh, man, I hated this when this came out. I really did not like this. I didn't understand it. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And, and oh, it's like one of my favorites now. Why can't I think of it? I think it was by The Wiggles. <laughs> what, what about you, Andy? You can't think of anything. Um, no, Thelonious Monk. So I get it all. I get it all. I get immediately. it. I get it. <laughs> it's either good well, or what bad. About, what and about, that's it. What about the latter? Was the latter ever an album for you like that? Because I know when the latter first came out, I like the I like the latter right away. I liked it too, but see, a lot of people don't, and it's not, and it's still talked about as like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it has, the latter the, albums, like was it after, Homeworld? like since the last fifteen years, like the albums aren't bad, but there's nothing that really no, made me want to go back and listen to Trevor era. The, the latter is the best album out of that post Trevor era for have sure. To agree. Homeworld is sick. I, I kind yeah. of enjoyed the. That was like brought back a classic with, groove uh, for that. That's why. The one with the drama guys was like not a terrible album either. I, I haven't heard that one. one. But the thing about fly from here or something. I gotta check that out. It's not bad. The thing about talk is I listened to it and and first I was like. Man, this because I was into recording then. I was like, man, this production is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, like, okay, maybe I don't like the songs, or maybe I don't like that it's not a proggy album, but this production is crazy. Like, it's it sound. This is the best sounding album I've ever heard. And then, like, I listened to it again. I'm like, you know what? The calling. That's a great song. Um, Walls. That's a great song. Real love, um, Real love is is heavy. Yeah. And and it's like it's got a ridiculous guitar solo. I was like, this is this is probably and the a guitar best. sound. Yeah, like real love is might be the best yes guitar solo mm-hmm. in that song. That's I, that's yeah, listen to that. So. It's re- real love. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's like it's like the first time they they really went prog metal more than prog rock. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it was heavy. And um, that was like the only. And then I am waiting is so beautiful. Oh, that song rips my heart out. Yeah, the it reminds me of the Princess hard. Bride, like the the theme music for the Princess Bride. Yeah. And then a, a side note, uh, Andre the Giant's bar tab for that movie forty thousand dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! No, the the part of the song that reminds me of Princess Bride is the for like a month's work. <laughs> It's just beautiful, and and then the end of that album. In three months, we'll finish recording that one. Yeah, 
Oh God, I love that song. Please. The end of that album is this like beautiful three song suite, which is like close to the edge. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And, but it's like close to the edge meets like a David Foster song because it has like this really beautiful like ballady thing about it and another wonderful guitar solo. And, and that's then a, that's I, you a, said that's David a guitar Foster, solo. and I read that as Stephen Foster. I'm no, like what? David Foster. <laughs> That's but a guitar solo. The um, the power ballad solo. <clears throat> oh hell yeah! And it's got a it's got a lot of good textures. That's and it has the middle like it's close to the edge. That middle yeah. keyboard. Yeah, yeah, spacey yeah, 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 yeah. The intro yeah. is like an all time classic. Yeah, it's a good one. I always liked the first song and the last song off that album. Now but, I like it more like the balanced. But I love State of Play. That's like, oh yeah, awesome! I like every song in that except for where, where Will You Be. That's like the skip track for me, Even, and, and that's not a bad song either. Which is that? Where Will You Be? Yeah. The John Anderson well, song. Where will you yeah. be? When that's you're that's the uh, the filler track. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just but, put another one. On. But it just it's sounds bad. like the 1990s. <laughs> like that song just sounds like television in the 1990s. What is there? Is there eight? There's eight tracks total on that album. Uh, ten, maybe. No. Let's see. It's the calling. I am waiting. Real love. State of play. Walls. Where will you be? And endless dream, which is three tracks. So, well, okay, I can't. So stream is one song. So it's seven, eight, seven songs, nine. Okay. or seven Including or nine. Yeah. nine. Did you ever hear the extended tracks. version? No, if they have the extended version of the calling. It's right before the guitar of, solo. It goes off into like a There's space like thing. Versions. There's like a couple other. Really? Parts in yeah, it yeah. just goes off into like a synth, like. Yeah. It's exactly. Like what little it soundscape thing. It's really weird. I wish I I got to get a hold of that. But the thing is, like, I got. I started like digging that album. And I got familiar with it enough because I figured when I, before I went to go see Yes, because that was the first tour I went was the talk tour. I should be familiar with the songs, right? So I can like you know know what's going on. So I got familiar with the album, and then when I saw them play it, I was done. I was sold. I was like, okay, this album's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And over the years, that has gone up to the position of my favorite album ever. <laughs> talk is my favorite album ever. I like it more than A Night at the Opera. You know what I mean? Like which which was my favorite album. It, it's just like. That uh, more than Sgt. Pepper and all those other things, like talk for Damn. me was it just because it's like because on a musician level, a production level, a guitar it's playing everything. level, it really level. has everything. It has everything, and also it was the first rock album to ever be recorded on a computer. Yeah, that's it. It was the first one. So it's just like it got Richie all over it. It does, and also <laughs> yeah, yeah. like the, all over it. <laughs> but we, we, I also want to talk. And Trevor about, Rabin wrote all the songs and played all the instruments and did it all in his. No, basement. no, he didn't. <laughs> what happened is, yes, never, yes, West, like the the Trevor right. era, yes, they never wrote songs together. Right. Because what, what happened is the first yes nine zero one two five is an album of Trevor Rabin's demos that the producer said, this has to be a Yes album. Or the label said, right. this has to be a Yes album if you want to release it because we, we want that, you know, the hype around it. Right. And you have to get John Anderson to sing it. So what happened is, Trevor had all these songs that he was singing and then he had to basically give the leads over to John Anderson. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, that was weird. You know what I mean? They do a good job of sharing it though. <clears throat> and yeah, but, but it's very like disjointed in that way. Mm. And, what Big Generator was, was, which was the follow-up, that was them trying to do 90125 again and recapture that success. And whether they did so or not, that's you know debatable. I don't hate that album. I don't hate it either, but you could tell it's like them trying to do what they just did, which Yes never did before. Like they don't, They're not a band that goes backwards, and they were trying to go backwards with that one. But that happens when a band has a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did the union thing. And everybody I mean, thought that um, <laughs> that you know everybody involved in that has nothing but horrible things to say. Yeah. Like Rick Wakeman calls it onion and <laughs> onion. <laughs> yeah. Like basically, it was Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, and Al. Yeah. They gave songs, and then the Yes West had songs, and 
somehow made an album out of it. Yeah. <laughs> they and, never and, actually and met together. Exactly. <laughs> and they just had John Anderson singing all the songs just yeah. to marry it. That's it. So after that, it was a weird time in the band because they were like, what are we going to do? And then when Yes West said, no, we're staying together, everybody was kind of bummed about it. But what had happened is now for the first time ever, John Anderson and Trevor Rabin actually wrote songs together. Like, right. uh, Trevor Rabin told John Anderson, why don't you come over to my house and we'll work in the studio. And all those songs, with, with maybe the exception of one or two, are written by those two guys. I mean, Roger Hodgson... We have uh, the credits right there in that yeah. book. Uh, the guy from Supertramp wrote Walls with them, and Chris Squire wrote the riff for um, State of, for a Real Love. You know what I mean? But that's basically the first Yes West collaborative album. And you can hear it. It's like when John Anderson sings something on that, it's like it's, you could tell he's singing and speaking. What he for, would want to sing. Yeah, it's, it's his, yeah. his heart, his yeah. voice. And the production on it, you could tell that Trevor Rabin is just like, everybody go away. Mm. Like, <laughs> I, That's I don't want why he likes allow it. Allow me to do it. <laughs> Everybody go away. Move. I'm going to do Move. my thing. And supposedly, like, him and John Anderson built the whole skeletons to all the tracks. And then the rest of the band just came in and, and, and put their parts down. Um, so, And they did it all in Trevor Rabin's house, if I'm not mistaken, on Digital Performer. And they used two Mac 8600s. There you right? go. So that's, if, if I'm not mistaken... Um, and all the guitar sounds on the album come from a Korg A3. There's no amps on the album. Everything is, is through this unit that you could buy for probably $60 on eBay now. Yeah. And the guitar sounds are awesome. They are. So he made this album, and in my opinion, it's a masterpiece. And like a Korg O1W with all the keyboard yeah, probably. stuff. And... But in my it's, opinion... It's a good headphone album, too. Oh, Really oh. good headphone album. You put it, how That's you how he tests painting. his ears. That's how Richie tests his ears. And he there's like, a dynamics warning on the album. Yeah. Yeah. The album is a dynamics <clears throat> warning. And it says, you know, extreme dynamics because they didn't squash the whole thing. It's beautiful. It's like it's like putting a warm blanket on the album. It's amazing. <laughs> and and it just disappeared. <laughs> it came out and was gone. Yeah, I never saw videos for it, it on MTV. It came out. People kind of panned it a little bit. They panned it. There's, there's, I think there's one clip of them on Letterman playing Walls or something uh, right. like that. And here's the thing. They were supposed to play The Calling on Letterman because Letterman picked up the album and liked it. And he called them up. He goes, I want you to play The Calling on the show. And they were going to do it. And because it was like seven minutes long, hmm. the, the producers of the show were like, no, do this, do the shorter song. So that, that was, that's what happened uh, there. I saw that. Stupid Bummer. TV. So to my, to my mind... That's a masterpiece, and that's Trevor Rabin's masterpiece. You know what I mean? It's a great Yes album, but it's Trevor Rabin's masterpiece. He put his heart and soul into it, and people didn't give a shit. And he liked like it, Mozart's and he Requiem. Liked it so much, and because of that, he decided not to play rock and roll anymore. Exactly. <laughs> that was the one. That was the album that I think that was the thing. The, the the failure of that album broke his heart, and he said, "You know what? I just gave this everything I had. Mm-hmm. I put my heart and soul into it, and nobody cared." And you know, I think a lot of artists have that feeling sometimes, and you know, he didn't give up. He re he did something else. Switched movies. directions. He he. The story is he um. Uh, Steven Seagal was a big fan of his, and called him up and said, "Hey, would you mind giving me guitar lessons?" And he, <coughs> is that and, why Steven Seagal's so good? And he went. And Trevor Rabin gave him a guitar lesson, and Steven Seagal said, what do I owe you? He goes, nah, don't worry about it, man. It's, uh, it's nice, nice hanging out with you, nice meeting you. He goes, well, if there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know. And Trevor Rabin said, well, actually, there is. I want to get into film scoring. I was wondering if you can point me in the right direction. And Steven Seagal said, 
yeah, sure. I'm making a movie now. You can score it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it happened. And his first movie was a Steven Seagal movie. That's great. And 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 that's how he got into it. And he didn't know anything. He was green. He they gave him they gave him a script, and he looked at it and he asked the the producer. He goes, "Who's Pav? Is like what? Goes, which character is which character is Pav? You keep saying Pav. They're like um, that's point of view. Like, oh, imagine what they were thinking when when uh, uh, your yeah. film composer asks you that question. So, I mean, <clears throat> to be honest, like not to compare myself to Trevor Rabin, but that's kind of how I felt about the Morning Starlet album. Right. I was just like, I put like my fucking heart and soul into this thing, and people liked it. Like I got good feedback, but I'm just like. When I was making that album, I was like, "This is I'm gonna make it on this album. Like, this is gonna be on the radio. We're gonna have music. For this. We're gonna go to Europe. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking like, this is it. Like, I just fucking put everything I got into this. And then like after a while, you're like, oh, it's just another album, and it's here and it's gone. And I and so like that's why I'm so even more attached to talk because of being such a fan of Trevor Rabin's. Like and knowing that this is his masterpiece and that it was unappreciated, like that just makes it so it makes you want to like it so much, so much more. You know, so um, we're gonna play a song and we're gonna end the show on this. Oh, but first, really quickly, um, Ray and I see. I got to see Trevor Rabin live. Ray never got to because he got into the band after he'd been long I still gone. Still haven't. <laughs> so, so Ray and I went to go see Anderson Rabin and Wakeman, um, which is obviously Anderson Rabin and Wakeman, and uh, they played with uh, they had two other guys, Lou Molino on the drums who played on Trevor's Jacaranda album, which is, first of all, if you like instrumental rock, get Jacaranda by Trevor Rabin. Good, it's yeah. fucking bananas. And um, they had um, Lee Pomeroy on bass, who was unreal. Unreal. But Killed it. we were a little upset because we couldn't hear. We were upset for two reasons. Trevor was buried in the mix, and me and Ray were screaming. At, we, we like I turned around during the show and screamed at front of house. I'm like, can't hear the guitar! More guitar! More guitar! I don't know if that was intentional or not, but whatever. And the biggest disappointment to me was that they didn't do any songs from Talk. <laughs> they did every other Yes album but Talk. Like, I would say 96.7% of the reason that we went to that show was because it was Trevor Rabin. I mean, whether it was they were playing Talk or not, it was, it was Trevor Rabin. And it was like, you know what, I've seen Yes so many times and I love it and I love these songs, but... God, I never got to see Trevor Rabin. I was so excited when Richard called me. He goes, I got a ticket for you. Let's go. And I'm like, that's great. I was so excited. And then like the first song happens and he's like, you're buried and you can barely hear him. And I'm just like, mm. and I'm rich. I like, rich, I can't hear him. You know, Make like, it better. So, you know, people saying like whatever. Nobody really said anything, but like, because they figured maybe right, the sound engineer is just trying, trying to find his, his, his angle here, you know? And then the second song was the same. And then that's when people started, like, you know, reacting to it. And the third song. And then Richie's like, get more guitar, more guitar. I got and up it just, and I, it barely I, I, ever I did a Your Mix is Whack. And, and I, <laughs> I got up in the, we, we, were, we were in the middle. We had great seats. We were like 15. tweeting at it too? 15th row center. I was tweeting at the band. I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, I can't, I'm here to hear this person. I can't hear them. Yeah. No! It was, it was, it was very sad. So. Because they didn't do it. Like, just get rid of the R in this band name. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, it's R. So, I mean, I got to, I got to see him <laughs> in the Anderson flesh, Wakeman. but I didn't really That's get it. to, like, enjoy it as much as I wanted to because you could really couldn't hear him, and it was and it was very disappointed. And there was some parts, like, you could, like it would kind of kick in a little bit here and there, like, and you could see what he was doing, and like, he's fucking shredding, he's fucking shredding, but I can't hear <laughs> like, a thing. You might as well have a Steve Howe up there. What's yeah. the point? <laughs> What's the point of this? 
Oh. I mean, for Christ's sake, like you, it you might as well be Steve Hackett in there. Who it can? might as well might as well have been Anderson, Ray, and Wakeman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. Nobody would have known. So okay, because they didn't do a song from Talk, we're gonna do a song from Talk, and and I, we were discussing what song to do, and I was like, let's just do the calling. It's gonna be easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously, we're not gonna do the twenty minute song because yeah. that's too difficult. Yeah, let's not do that song. But then we listened to so. Let's just do the calling. It's like a straight-ahead rock song. Let's do that. Oh, boy, were we wrong. We were wrong. We started to try to do it on that first session, and we couldn't get through it. And I'm like, how is this harder than Heart of the Sunrise? And it is harder than Heart of the Sunrise. It, it just is. There's, there's I, think, just... I think there's, there's a, 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 a myth that people think pop music isn't hard. Because it's so like danceable and easy to play, you know. But the thing about Heart Pop, of the Sunrise, rock, whatever, is it's so like composed in a way where the single, each instrument is doing what they're supposed to do, and it's you can hear the parts, and it's very clear, and there's like a right way to do it. You know what I mean? The calling has so many layers to it, hey. and you have to and you have to get the sounds like it's it's all about the sounds. If you're not getting the sounds right, especially for the, I, I was very happy when you asked me to play bass on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go okay. through it. There's three part harmony. Yeah. There's four part harmony. Right. There's like three guitar parts going on at one time right. there's keyboard parts there's drums there's percussion there's a lot of stuff there well that's the production yeah, yeah. A- absolutely and um but then you throw the the tones that you have to find for each of those things yeah there's acoustics it's, guitars there's electric guitars and, it's pretty and the fact that everybody's crushing it on that like everybody's killing it like if you play here, here's the thing this is gonna sound wacky if you play hard of the sunrise a little shitty and like you, you speed up, you slow down. You it's play okay because it was recorded in the seventies. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you play some parts a little sloppy, like your precision's off. <coughs> it'll still sound pretty good. You know what I mean? Because that's the kind of composition. If you play a little sloppy on this song, it'll sound bad, like really <laughs> bad, because it's so simple but not simple. Yeah. You know, and then it goes into this like proggy part in the middle that's ridiculously hard to play. Right. Um, so, Richard, how many guitar Sims, patches did you have? Well, for I'm, this gonna, song? I'm gonna go through that in a second. Um, what the hell? I was just gonna say something. Shit. Um, it can't be sloppy. No, no, no. Um, oh, we we couldn't get enough of the big sound by just the the vocals while we were singing. Right. So we overdubbed uh, some some like you know quintuple tracked stuff. Uh, all of us singing into a mic. So when you watch the video for this song, you're gonna see a little pop-up screen with the vocals and also um andy is going to overdub the keyboards just because um ray was going to play keyboards and he said fuck that so um, <laughs> ray didn't do his homework except yeah. ray needed to play the other guitar parts yeah so <laughs> actually we just kept ray on the electric guitar part while i did the other ones but um i'm gonna ray brought up a good point i i had to make eight patches on the helix to do this eight yeah <laughs> and i want to i want to bring you guys through them hold on one second all right, so we're gonna go through the um, eight sounds here <clears throat> on the helix. Uh, here's the intro. So what's going on here is we have an acoustic in the uh, left ear, and we have an electric delayed. You, you guys aren't in stereo. Uh, we have an electric delayed in the right ear, and a lot of verb. Yeah. Then we have the telly. Now I'm using the variax with the helix, so it's changing the guitar sounds as I'm changing the um, the patches. Then the 
Then I have an electric guitar and an acoustic 12 string. That sounds great. Then I have this um, <clears throat> proggy like uh, arp arpeggio. Now this is the magnetic pickups. And then when I put the expression pedal up, an acoustic comes in. There's also one part in this that goes, um, <coughs> and I don't have no frets to do it, so I pitch the whole guitar down so I can do it. <laughs> then I have, then I, I have the this, acoustic then I have this long note. Then I have the that, chicken Wait, thickness. that's a separate patch? Yeah. And that's a separate than the telly. Yep. Before. It's got more compression because I need to go. Uh. And then we have um, this awesome fucking. The Eric Johnson tone. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, you know, and uh, so those are my eight patches I needed to play this damn song. Um, yeah, so and then I, I don't know I what we have to do with, with the keyboards, so because we're gonna overdub those next. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, well, there's definitely uh, organ. There's some synth strings yep. going on, and I think there's a little other like percussive kind of. Uh, there's like a synth breath. Like a synth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little synth brass stuff. So here's the calling. I hope you guys and enjoy the tambourine. It. Oh, tambourine! We got to put tambourine in. <laughs> this is gonna be a nightmare. I'm not gonna be done with this till after episode. This might be episode 122. <laughs> Should but I do anyway, the tambourine on the hand sonic? Oh, I could do that on the hand sonic. That's right. I'll do it. Um, okay, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed our nerding out over yes, and I hope you liked the calling. And um, if you wanna hear yet, can is this album even available anymore? You gotta oh, buy it. Sure, I don't. You, you can't get it on iTunes. You can't get it on Spotify. You gotta go on YouTube. It's on YouTube. The whole album. Yeah, but I, I thought it, I think I saw it on like uh, on Amazon or something. CDs like, or something. Amazon, something, yeah. you could probably find it just because other people sell things yeah. on there. But or eBay maybe. Nah, but in terms of like buying it digitally, it's it's nowhere. Am I a hipster because my favorite album is unavailable? <laughs> <laughs> All right, the enough best of this. you can do if you're tech savvy is go to one of those uh, MP3 converter websites and convert it all from YouTube or something well, like that. But, you know, yeah, I don't condone that. I'm just <laughs> so on this next song, you're going to be hearing Andy Escalese on the drums, Andy Graziano on the bass, uh, Ray Bagnuski on the rhythm guitar. I'm playing 5,000 guitar parts and Amory singing lead vocal. Uh, the background vocals are all of us. The keyboards are going to be Andy and uh, the tambourine is going to be Andy. So <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to Band Geek and uh, we'll see you next time. Enjoy the calling. All right. Then.